bit about how I've been trying to use this time to uh, declutter my life, my, my house in particular. Uh, I worked on a project in my garage of cleaning that out. It's all taken care of. And I think we actually inspired some people in the church because uh, I had talked about that in some of our morning services last week too. And I think I received three pictures this week of people's homes uh, that they either emailed me or texted me of people cleaning out their homes and starting to get things organized. Uh, and it was neat to be able to see that, but I hope that we're not only using this decluttered theme within our, our houses or the physical things that we have, but that we're also using it uh, in looking at our bodies as being that temple of God and saying, what does my body look like? Is it, is it decluttered, my life, for being able to focus on that which is most important, the relationship that I have with God? And so every week we've been looking at a different parable. The first week, we started with that concept and that parable of a wise man building his house upon a rock, that a foolish man builds his house upon the sand, and that our foundation is truly found in Christ. The second week, we talked about that since we have that foundation in Christ, we also have this great ability and gift that God has given to us to be able to forgive others that we do not hold on to the sin of other people to control them or to be able to use it against them, but we give it away as this gift. Just as the Lord gives us forgiveness, we have the opportunity to give that to others. And today we start with our third parable then. Before we get there, something really quick. Uh, This concept of a parable, even that word parable, comes from the Greek word Parabole, which really means to take two things and to lay them side by side so to be able to compare them. And this is what we do when we hear these parables that Jesus tells us. We take the story that he has given to us and we take our lives, we lay them side by side, and we make this comparison. What is Christ telling me in my life based off this story? What is he teaching me? What is he calling me to? And the parable that we look at tonight is no different. The parable for this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Uh, It's a parable that actually is followed by two other parables. There's three in a row. They're all uh, very similar, but also unique in their own right. Uh, Tonight, we're just going to focus on the first one. It's one you've probably heard before. But again, I hope that you hear it in a little bit of a different way. Uh, So from Luke chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse 1. And again, listen to the audience Jesus is talking to tonight. It says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So look at our audience that Christ is speaking with tonight. Two different groups of people that are mentioned. The first one are the tax collectors. Uh, We hear this over and over again within the New Testament. These tax collectors that people don't like. They're always thrown in there of the worst of the worst groupings of people. Uh, Why is that? Well, it's people that, that really were cheating their fellow man. You've probably heard about the tax collectors before, but what made them so bad? Why do people despise them so much? Well, beside the cheating factor, maybe you did not uh, know this, 
the Roman government, instead of sending in someone from their own people, uh, somebody from Roman descent, to be able to tax the Jewish people, they would lift up somebody from within that town, from within that realm, somebody who was Jewish, to be able to tax the other people around them. And so that's why they were so despised. It was somebody that was their flesh and blood, somebody that was their, their neighbor, somebody that was their, supposed to be their friend that was now being lifted up to be able to cheat others so they could have personal gain. They lived this selfish life. Everything that they did was about themselves, of how they could get ahead. And this is how the Romans were able to hold people down, kind of oppress them in certain ways. But it also created this big tension between Jewish people and others, the, the tax collectors that used to be their, their friends, that were still their, their flesh and blood. The second group of people that are mentioned in the text are sinners, it says. Tax collectors and sinners Jesus is meeting with today. Now, when it describes sinners, it's not talking just about uh, like people like you and I would say that, that we are sinners. Uh, most texts, uh, almost every version, if you look at it, you'll see that sinners is in quotation marks, that word. It's talking about people who were known for their life of sin. Uh, people who uh, were not only tax collectors, but Maybe people who are known adulterers or people who are known prostitutes or known thieves. People, this is how how you knew them. And they weren't trying to change anything about themselves. They weren't trying to be holy. They were trying to live lives of sin. And they had this label that was stamped upon them. And these are the two groups of people that Jesus meets with today. And the Pharisees go ballistic. They're super upset about this. Uh, The fact that Jesus is welcoming them, right? He's actually welcoming them into his presence. He's going unto them. That word in the Greek, uh, welcome, it means to be able to receive as a friend. That's how it's put. It's not just welcoming of hi really quick. It's to receive as a friend. That's what Jesus is doing for the tax collectors and for the sinners. And the Pharisees are not happy about this. These are people that they wouldn't associate with on any level. They wouldn't talk with them. They wouldn't help them. Uh, They aren't going to even look at these individuals. Why would they? They're so bad. They're so uh, uh, different than they are. And so they would just judge them over and over and over again. But the text says something interesting. Is it mentions uh, Jesus welcoming these people. It says that they begin to gather around him. They gather around him. Interesting. You know, Jesus isn't condoning their sinful behavior. Jesus isn't telling them that those things that they are doing wrong are, are okay. They should be cheating their, their own flesh and blood, that they should be uh, thieves, that they should be uh, any of these sinful behavior elements continuing over and over again, but they still come and gather around him. Why is that? Why do they come and receive Christ? Well, what does Jesus offer? Well, he offers sinners in our world today the exact same thing that he offered 2,000 years ago. He offers us and them healing. He offers redemption. He offers forgiveness. And he offers love. 
And those are healing things. Those are attracting things. That's why these people come and gather around. The Pharisees think that you have to live this perfect life, that you have to be able to be that perfect individual to receive this grace from God, to be able to receive his mercy, when really it's all of us that need that. Because we too, when we compare these stories side by side, our story with the story that we are about to be able to hear, we should see some of ourselves in there too. That we also are these lost individuals without Christ. We're no different than sinners in the world. The only difference is what Christ has done in us, this recognition that has been made. But Christ wants to do the exact same thing for people in our world that do not yet know him. And so he shares this parable. And as you hear this parable tonight, put it side by side with your life and think about what does this mean? How is this going to change me? Here's the parable from Luke chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? I can only assume that for most of us here tonight, uh, at some point in your life, you have lost something of value or something of importance. Maybe you lost your wallet uh, at some point. Maybe you lost uh, a set of keys one time. Uh, Maybe it was a pet that got away and was lost. What do you do when you lose something of value or lose something that you truly need in that moment? I assume you search for it. You want to be able to to find it. And so you you go after it. I don't know if you're like me in any way. When I lose something, uh, I have a tendency to get frustrated. I get frustrated if I lose something. Uh, Sometimes from there, if I don't find it in a certain timeline, I start getting a little angry. I start getting a little upset. I shouldn't act like that, but that's, that's how I do. It, it builds up in me because I want to go after something so badly because it has value to me. I need it. I know I'm not the only person that's like that. I saw a couple of you shake, shake your heads up and down out there, uh, but I see it in the world too. Um, <clears throat> two weeks ago now, Rachel, my wife, and my daughter Kyrie and I were out at this little water park uh, Kyrie and Rachel had gone in the pool area, and there was a family right next to me, uh, a gal that was sitting there on the lounge chair. And at one point, she starts digging through her purse like a, a dog that is looking for a bone. It's got to be. She is ripping this purse apart and putting everything back in and taking it all back out and putting it all back in. And it was very obvious that she, she had misplaced something. She had lost something. Uh, she got up and she walked around the pool area uh, several, several times. She came over and I saw her get her keys and go out to her car and then come back. And she's looking around uh, frantically. Uh, finally, one of her kids came up and she said, have you seen my phone? She's looking for, for her phone and she can't find it anywhere. And the kid says, no. And he says, can I have a towel? 
And the mom said yes. And so she had the, the lounge chair sitting there. She had a couple towels stacked up and her purse on top of that. And she grabbed her purse and moved it aside to be able to grab one of the towels. And don't you know, as soon as she moves her purse, uh, the phone's sitting right there on top of the towel. And her purse had been on top of it the, the entire time that she had been digging through. The best part about it, though, is as soon as that happens, uh, she looks right at her son and says, don't tell dad about this. But we all know what that's like, to be able to lose something of value and how you want to be able to, to go after that. This is the story that Christ is giving the people and us today. Something that is uh, not an inanimate object of a phone or of a wallet or of a pair of keys, but something that is of the utmost value and importance. People in our world who are lost. People in our world who do not yet know who Jesus is. And you and I. People who do know who Jesus is, but recognize that without this great gift, we too are lost. That we cannot save ourselves. That we cannot earn our way into heaven. That the only way to receive this gift, it's a free gift, is by the blood and body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do we share that gift with people around us? Think about the importance of that. Eternal life. Everything we know has a beginning and has an end. And it's hard for us sometimes to grasp that concept of eternity. But it is a great gift. It's not just eternity of, of this life. It's an eternity of perfection, of no more sin, of no more tears, of no more uh, work. That's what we hear about in that Revelation passage, that John captures this vision of heaven, that the heavens are open and that we receive this perfection in our Lord, that we receive this great gift in him. And it's something that we have to be able to share with others. But how are we doing with that? Ask yourself, even over the course of this year, from January 1st till today, mid-May, have I spent more time looking for things that I have lost or misplaced? Or have I spent more time actually sharing with people who are lost the answer that we have in Christ? And I know it's difficult. It's hard sometimes to be able to verbalize those things, but we can show it through our actions too. But think of the difference that that makes in the life of people who are around us. Are we being able to share of this great value that we have in Christ because of the great value that we are in his life, the truth that has been given to us? So look at the, the final couple verses with me here from our gospel le- lesson. From Luke chapter 15, verses 5 through 7. It says, And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, talking about this lamb. And he goes home, and then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Do you see where that rejoicing occurs in the text? One person who repents over 99 who who do not need to. 
Think about that celebration that occurs in heaven because someone is able to, by the Spirit of God, receive Jesus as their Savior. That one more individual enters into heaven. And this tonight is where we take this great story and we practice that, that parabolo, that exercise, that we place the story of this lost lamb next to the story of us who is lost. And we find out this great gift that we have in our Lord. That after all, we may not be a tax collector, we not, may not be a, a sinner, but without Christ, we are that one who is lost. And so as we see this today, we have the greatest news that is ever proclaimed. You know, today is not only a celebration of, of mothers, of Mother's Day. It's also a, a day in the church here that's called Good Shepherd Sunday. And on Good Shepherd Sunday, we recognize exactly what we heard in this text, uh, what we sang just before in our sermon song, the concept of a God who leaves everything behind to be able to track us down. Put that side by side tonight. This good shepherd who, who leaves the comfort of heaven, that leaves perfection, that leaves everything to come to this earth to be like us. And not only to live, but to, to suffer, to die, and to rise again so that we can have forgiveness. What a great shepherd we have in Christ. A lot of times we think that we come here on a Sunday evening to be able to meet with God, but we need to recognize that first, God comes here to seek us out, to be able to meet with us. It's not us who carry God out of the, the wilderness to take his message into the world. It's God who carries us out of the wilderness, out of our temptations, so that we can do those things. It's not you and I who provide salvation for ourselves or for anybody else around us. But it's God who grants that salvation unto us. And so put those things side by side tonight. This story of a, a good shepherd who leaves everything behind to be able to come to this earth for you and your story that you have tonight. Because when those two things are laid side by side for this parabolo, for this comparison, when God looks down and he sees you, he doesn't see our, our sin. He doesn't see our, our imperfections. He doesn't see your flaws. He sees the love of Christ covering all of those things. He sees the love of Christ removing all of those things. So that when he looks down upon you, all he sees is this grace, this mercy, and this perfection that we have received because of who Jesus is in our life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift that you have given to us in Christ. And we recognize that, Lord, as you say all of those things, that, that you will do this for us, that you have lifted us up, that you will bring us into those uh, times of pasture, that you will bring us into those times of light, that you will remove us from the clouds and the darkness. And so do that for us, Lord. But also empower us to be your disciples here on this earth to be able to rise up and to be able to go to bat for you, knowing that you have first done this for us. Lord, allow us to share with people in our world, again, who do not yet know you, what this great love is, this reckless love of your one and only Son that gives everything for us. 
Mold us, shape us, and grow us as your people. In your son's name we pray. Amen.